Welcome to Greenish, where wellness meets girl boss, empowering you to live your daydream. Join me, Ari, and me, Kate, as we seek the realness from the most admirable entrepreneurs. We'll get the inside scoop about the habits that inspire them, the mission that drives them, and reflection on their roots. Let's get greenish and talk about what money and kale have in common. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Greenish. We are so excited because today we are joined by Jessica Young, the founder of Bubble. Jessica Young is the founder and CEO of Bubble, an e-commerce healthy food marketplace based in New York. Jessica's passions combine community and sustainable food systems and is continually investigating the nexus between tech, lifestyle, wellness, and food. She dropped out of college to attend cooking school in New York. Crazy, I know, to become a chef at a Michelin star restaurant. Then she transitioned to working at Hugh Kitchen and then Daily Harvest. Holy moly, these are literally two wellness meccas. From working in the kitchens of Scarlett Johansson and Robert De Niro to founding one of our most adored companies, her path to bubble is nothing but fascinating. She's also mentored at the Lower East Side Girls Club and the Chubani Incubator, two incredible programs. We are so excited to speak with Jessica today about failing fast, starting a company without a college degree, and Elle Woods. Jessica, we're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So Jessica, in the greenish spirit, we want to kick off with a discussion about your roots, your background, your childhood. What did this look like for you? Yeah. So I grew up in Pennsylvania on the Eastern side of the state. So about an hour and a half North of Philadelphia, hour and a half, uh, West of New York city. So it's kind of a a nice little, um, literally a valley in the Lehigh Valley, um, near two pretty major East coast cities. So was definitely exposed at a young age to like, you know, the happenings of New York vibes and momentum was always into that. I don't know that I growing up saw myself ever living or moving there, but, um, yeah, always enjoyed the city. Um, but yeah, I grew up like very typical suburban, you know, neighborhood, um, went to a really small country day school. Um, so I, I think early on got a big fish in a small pond feeling and that kind of translated later in my life into New York of all places, (laughs) um, having that feeling again. So yeah, pretty typical childhood. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say. (laughs) Momentum are a good way to describe New York. (laughs) Um, Okay. So when you were 20, you left college to go to culinary school. Okay. You got to tell us what was it like? Did you come in with a base knowledge or was it literally like being thrown into fire? Was this something that you had been considering for a while and then you just kind of made the leap of faith? What's the day to day like? Like give us the tea. So At the time I was describing to my friends at the time before my family, I felt genuinely like I was having a quarter life crisis. I'm like, I'm in college studying biochemistry, not happy. Grades are like starting to slip. I'm just like, usually a like a student. And I was like, just again, just like not happy. Um, And my friend Erica, who I'd grown up with in Pennsylvania was at NYU uh, studying business. And I would like on weekends sneak into the city and like drive in and just stay with her. And I'm like, 
again, kind of light bulb moment of I need to be in New York was happening. And so I was talking to her, I'm like, I can't go back. I just, I need to be in New York. I don't know what I'm doing. Do I just like pause college? Is that an option? She's like, well, you've always loved to cook. Why don't you just do something different? Just like do something you really love. Take a minute. Just yeah, go, go for it. it. Life is short. So I was yeah. like, I want to do something else, but not... I don't know, kind of eat, pray, love, travel Europe, or I don't know, think, mm-hmm. like work at a, at a surf shack or something. I wanted to do something. I just didn't know. So she's like, you love cooking. Like, let's go check out a culinary school. Why don't you like do that? Um, and it was actually like her seeing that in me, not necessarily myself um, at the time that like kind of changed my whole life's path. So I ended up doing that, uh, enrolled in the culinary school, French Culinary Institute, in New York and attended um, in the spring semester. And it was, I did the professional program. So I was definitely thrown in. I was one of the two youngest kids in that class. It was very much a professional um, you know, course. Uh, a lot of people that were already chefs and cooks in kitchens that wanted the credentials uh, so they could get to like management or executive level. Um, and so, yeah, I was definitely, definitely thrown in the fire. Part of that program was interning. So you had to go basically right from, you know, you would go to class from like 8am to 3pm and then you'd have an hour break and then you had to do an internship. So it was a very short condensed program, but no joke. <laughs> so I'd go straight into working in restaurants then until like midnight, 1am and then sleep a few hours, get up and do it again. Um, so it's definitely- your internship was working in a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Working on the line, peeling lots of potatoes, just low on the totem pole. Um, you know, getting, you know, give, given a hard time, like, why aren't you peeling potatoes fast enough? Move it, move it. I mean, there's just like working in New York restaurants is not for the faint of heart. You have to have an extremely thick skin, extreme sense of urgency. Like there is no room for like on that rowboat, people who don't pull weight, like you will get tossed aside. Right. So. It's like Gordon. It's it's just like the Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, Ramsey like watching TV Gordon Ramsay. I'm like, oh, love him. Like he is like a yeah. an angel compared to what goes on in real life. <laughs> I feel like it translates well to entrepreneurship too, because you build that thick skin, and you learn how to separate like emotion from getting feedback and like looking at things so objectively and having that like anything that's said to you just kind of deflect off of you. Oh my gosh. I'll work with hire, like collab with anyone any day who's worked in um, back of house or front of house, like any, any hospitality in like a major city, like gets it for sure. For sure. So for anyone listening that follows our Instagram, you know that Ari is a huge fan of cooking. And I know that you always say like, oh, I go to culinary school in the heartbeat, but I'm really curious after hearing just this story, like, would you still do it? Honestly, yes. <laughs> I I would love to go. I don't know why. I feel like I would kind of thrive in that environment. But I also say that now, like never having any experience working as a line cook or being the bottom man in, on the totem pole and being in charge of dishes and pota- peeling potatoes all day. So maybe we do a little internship first. And then yeah, yeah, definitely. You can always ask for a stage, which like in cookie terms is just like, and it basically an internship and you can go a few nights and just mm-hmm. like stand in the kitchen or watch or tr- tr- help plate, but you're not like really in the mix. So it's a nice way to like mm-hmm. see what's going on. So you were cooking your way around the city. You were taking up pop-up jobs as a side hustle in addition to being a fine dining chef. 
What was it like working at the Modern, which is Danny Meyer's revered like two Michelin star restaurant? I can only imagine how fast paced and intense this was. Yeah. So worked at Danny Meyer. Yeah. The Modern was, I would say, the most impressive place I worked and most well-known. I mean, just day one, starting at a Danny Meyer like hospitality run establishment, everything from Shake Shack to you know Gramercy Tavern, the Modern. At the time, 11 Madison Park was also under his umbrella. So he had everything from fast casual to fine dining. Part of working at his restaurants, he meets with every employee that gets hired um, in batches. So at some point when you're hired within that company, um, you just square hospitality, you go um, for an orientation with Danny Meyer himself. Um, he's just off the jump kind of about you knowing who he is and sort of like the tone that he set within his entire corporation. So I remember being like so excited. So like day one, you get this like huge manual. So anyone front of house learns what back of house is doing and vice versa. So as a back of house person, I was also given the manual for front of house and all the things and like levels of hospitality that people would go to, how to handle situations. So kind of like reading that at a young age gave me perspective into um, you know handling graciously, you know, angsty customers and things that I think translate into what we do, even do today at Bubble. Um, and just like, you know, the customer is always right. And like a lot of things that he um, is known for. A friend called you to help open his paleo fast casual restaurant. And of course, it was no other than Hugh Kitchen, which I miss so much. For all of our listeners, Hugh Kitchen was the it spot described by the infatuation as the health haven famous for feeding every yoga instructor on the island of Manhattan. How did the startup culture of Hugh compare to the established, well-oiled machine of the modern? Did you find it exhilarating or challenging to be an early member of the team, which becomes a theme throughout so many of the other moves in your career? Yeah. I So I transitioned from fine dining to like the startup and Hugh Kitchen space. Um, yeah, just through my network of cooking, I was to make ends meet working and fine dining establishments. Um, I hooked up with different staffing agencies in the city. And during the summer, I would go off and um, be a live in private chef. And then I also would do different, like, I, I just worked like honestly six, seven days a week to make ends meet. So I would cook for different uh, people around the city. That's you know, I cooked for like Scott Johansson and Robert De Niro. It was through these staffing agencies. So I would like meal prep for them if they were trying to lose weight or be healthier um, for a certain role um, or just have a dinner party. So kind of ran the gamut there. And then my one fr- like chef friend called me one day and he's like, Hey Jess, like I'm opening this restaurant. I'm consulting. I don't know if I'm going to stay on or not, but, um, I'm, they like, you know, this fast, casual paleo concept hired me to open. He's like, I know you are in between gigs. Like you're, I was leaving the modern at the time. And he's like, uh, you want to do something else? He's like, but you're the only one I know who like knows what almond flour is and all this healthy stuff. So he's like, do you would you have any interest? You know, it's going to pay pretty well. You would open, and then you can decide if you want to stay or not. So um, crossed over, and I was like, yeah, this seems like a cool concept. I love you know healthy alternatives. Like I, you know, most people didn't know what the word paleo was. I didn't even really know what the paleo diet was. I went out and bought a bunch of books to learn. Um, and so it was great. I mean, I was on the pastry team making up 
paleo pastries that there were no recipes or anything that existed. Um, the chocolate that Hugh Kitchen is now known for. So the fast casual concepts aren't in New York anymore. Um, the chocolate business that came out of those locations has done so well. That's actually the, the entire company is based around their paleo chocolate. Oh, and it's um, amazing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no paleo chocolate to put in those recipes. And so the team was working with manufacturers to actually like make their own paleo chocolate. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was a peanut at the time, like we had really low on the totem pole. Um, you know, so like just learning about startups and, you know, that, that whole culture. Um, but then through that was how I worked, uh, got a gig, um, at a meal kit company that really cut my teeth on the whole startup world. Um, it went up and under really within a year. Um, it raised a bunch of money. I learned a lot with like series A, B, like all these financing terms. I'm like, are people talking about baseball? Like I literally was <laughs> at a table listening to like all these series terms. I'm like what is going on? Um, I started taking classes at general assembly to like get better at Excel, to like learn about startups, like all of these things that they don't teach you in school. Uh, it's like a re- you're, you know, you need to get your own like real life MBA, um, to a degree. So just a lot of self-education, um, reading books, Googling, taking classes at things like general assembly, Udemy online. Um, and then through that was how I got the opportunity at daily harvest. So yeah, very windy way. I always like to say that like, it's not original. It's another book. It's literally the title of a book, but your network is your net worth. It's a great book. I highly recommend, but it's true. Like a lot of turning points or how things came about in my career were through my network, being known as like doing things in certain spaces, I would say, but also just putting in the work. (laughs) So I think a lot of people knew throughout my career, they could call me and I would show up or get something done um, and like be reliable. So um, there's a lot to be said for making moves, but also like getting the work done. What you just said was so valuable because I feel like when you're in school and you're learning, I don't know, you're in an entrepreneurship class, you're in a business class, you're learning the do's and don'ts of the business world. And I feel like nowadays classes are just now putting an emphasis on the importance of your network. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's so interesting. I mean, Kate, would you would you agree with that? Like that this is just kind of now happening? Yeah. And I think another thing you said that I loved is that you were like taking classes and just kind of figuring it out and I think there's so much value in like education past just school, like even having a podcast or like listening to a podcast. That's like, all you're trying to do is like learn and see how you apply that to your life. And like I did IIN to do um, my integrative health certification. And like, nice, yeah. I feel like if I took those classes in school, like I wouldn't have taken the same approach to it and like the same fascination and like passion for it because it was just it'd be another class to me. Yeah. Like there's something inherently valuable about going outside of the, you have to be doing this and within the, I want to be doing this realm. Okay. So I want to go back to what you were just talking about. You became employee number one at daily harvest. 
which is now absolutely one of the most beloved healthy meal delivery services in the industry. Like my mom was just talking yesterday about how much she loved Daily Harvest. I was like, you're never going to guess who I'm talking to today. (laughs) (laughs) But um, what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned in that role and that you have applied to founding your own company? I mean, to a degree, one of the biggest lessons I learned, I think in all of startup, I mean, it translates to life. It's everything. No one is going to do it for you. (laughs) Yeah. Life is a startup. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to work harder than you will work. So if you want results, you need to do them. Like if you want to grow a company, especially at a startup, you need to do it. Um, If you have equity in something, it's your responsibility. So like no one's going to get out there and like pay your bills for you. You need to do that. So it is sort of this like weird... Yeah, I've just been in a cycle of bouncing into all these different early stage companies and doing so much heavy lifting. I don't know that I could ever work at like a large corporation because I've always just grown stuff from scratch. I may be like an adrenaline junkie in an unhealthy way. Not sure. Um, That's such a valuable skill set though. That's so important. it's, It's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, you need to wear so many hats. I think, yeah, cooking in kitchens has translated into that. There's definitely some common threads into like why I've ended up here. But I mean, yeah, like at an early stage company, there's no HR. There there are no processes. There nothing exists. So you need to be a bit creative. You need to be organized, know how to prioritize. So yeah, there's a lot of it. But yeah, it comes down to like no one's gonna do it for you, honestly. So that that was like a huge lesson I've taken outside of the professional space to my personal space. Um, I also think it's very valuable to have like a first internship experience in a startup because you learn that like exact skill of like, you have to figure it out. You have to wear every hat. Like one day you're doing marketing, the next day you're doing accounting and you might not know how to do it, but like, you've got to figure it out. And also like startups don't have internship, like plans laid out for like what you're going to be doing day to day. And they'd also don't have the employees to like oversee you and say like, okay, next work on this, next work on this. Like you kind of just have to find where you could add value. So I think like what you're saying about wearing so many hats, like that's just so inherently valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not for everyone, you know, like I, I've encountered people throughout my career that think they want to work at a startup because like, Oh my gosh, like where else can I get that kind of return on my career? Like in just a short time or like these young entrepreneurs, it's like very much glorified, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. You have to really like understand the landscape and you know, that you are doing so much. Some people cannot handle that. Like it is not in how they operate, how they want to live their life. It's like super scary for people to have so much change on a daily basis. Um, kind of like rocks, rocks their boat. So they like a lot of people I've encountered, like just want like a very stable situation. They want a nine to five. Here's my role. Here are the five things I'm working on. It's a much larger company. So you definitely have to understand like what you're getting into when you sign up for, you know, startup land for sure. Yeah. So then you left Daily Harvest to launch Bubble. Okay. So how did you get the idea for the company? What was the process towards starting the business? Did you first find the items that you'd stock? Then you built your website? Like tell us about the journey. 
Daily Harp is is very bittersweet. I grew that company as my baby. It's, I feel like it still is. Um, from again, nothing to uh, we. Uh, when I left, we just closed our Series B of forty three million dollars, and the wow. company was <laughs> about thirty people. So about thirty people took that company to a very sizable place. Um, and then, you know, so yeah, it was really bittersweet. I was kind of at the point where, you know, more senior leadership was entering the picture, bigger investors, a uh, higher level of management. Um, you know, when you grow a company to that level, it's all about like refining everything that you've done, um, you know, to even get that level of funding, like Deloitte came in to like audit stuff. Like it is serious. So at that time, I honestly was a bit burnout, um, similar to kind of my crossroads with like getting in kitchens. It was another, like, I felt this, I don't know, like in Pocahontas, you know, when the wind blows for her, it's like, I felt this like wind blowing moment where I'm like... Ah, I just need to like take a peek up. I'm feeling really burnt out. Um, and similarly at, at that time, I was getting hit up honestly left and right on LinkedIn, my personal network. I don't know what was going on in the world, but everyone I knew in my network was pinging me about, Oh my gosh, I need help with my brand. How are you guys doing this at Daily Harvest? Can you consult for me? Can you connect? How, like, I want to do this with my food company. I need help with branding, manufacturing, sales, like all the, all the, all the things. So I was just like, what is going on in the world? I'm like, well, I obviously knew a lot about Daily Harvest, like how to grow that. Um, so the first employee, head of product and operations. So set up everything from dry ice contracts to multiple distribution centers across the country. A lot of things that I didn't know about and had to figure out, um, you know, uh, you know, on my own, honestly. So like just figure it out and make it happen. Um, and so at that point, I was just like, okay, what's going on in the world, right? Like, there's so many innovative products floating around. They're all looking for the same thing, but they all have three or four products. It actually does not make sense for them to launch on their own site. They'll never have a concept like Daily Harvest, right? Like, at Daily Harvest, we launched a subscription frozen food company that we launched products into that pipeline over time so people would subscribe, but we launched multiple product lines because you, we needed that to draw in repeat purchase up average order values over time. And so I was looking at the system we had laid. I'm like, we're doing this within frozen food. We have this whole thing designed for a reason. Like that's why I signed up to build this thing. But all of these companies have like three or four SKUs and they all had the same story that, you know, what they're kind of, they're like, we need help with distribution. We want to set up direct to consumer because we know we can make more money there. Retail is like on the downtrend, but like at the same time, Retail is still king. We don't know how to approach e-commerce. So all these amazing products, they didn't know how to you know, approach e-commerce. They were opening up Shopify stores, trying to compete on Amazon, dumping a ton of money into pay, paid Facebook ads, and like not really seeing anything come through. So I'm like, they just kept going back in my head to the drawing board of like, why does this like place not exist? This mysterious you know, like Sephora exists for beauty brands for resale. There's like stock X, the real, real for like these huge markets, health and wellness and like better for you 
is one of the fastest growing consumer segments, right? Like the daily harvest of the world. Why is there no hub for all these brands? I know that the consumer base is there. Trust me. Like I, we, I now have to go after them. We were doing that at daily harvest in droves. And <laughs> well, no, we were this, this, is when, this is when the, the, the startup Jessica came back to life. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, I think there's a business here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just, I started talking to a few people on the side and I was like, Hey, I'm at a crossroads. I have this like idea for this thing. Uh, I had a couple other ideas at the time as well. I was thinking about launching like my own CPG line, um, doing things like better for you, Nutella, um, things like that. You know, it's kind of just taking really addictive, amazing pantry goods that we all love, but just making honestly healthier versions and like a really cool brand. Um, but uh, I, spoiler alert to our yeah, listeners, spoiler, she, yeah. she might have actually done that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly like doing that found myself in the same position as all these brands and like this bigger problem. So I'm like, Oh, this is really, this is going to be a huge thing if it pops off, but it's also going to be really difficult in terms of like building and, and time resources, like it's a big concept. It's basically like two companies in one. So yeah, long story short, I went and, you know, I, I have gone out to build a more complicated thing. So I left daily harvest and launched bubble. Um, in 2018, I consulted, uh, and a bit through 2019, um, started bubble incorporated, did all the stuff. Um, started to initially get some friends and family excited about the idea to invest. Um, but I was also consulting for some other food brands at the time. Um, a brand called Dada Daily, um, which is like out of New York and does some co- cool products. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dada. Yes, um, and some other... Yeah. So I helped them get you know set up with the manufacturing and, and packaging and all that fun stuff. Um, the almond butter Brussels sprouts. Are insane. Hydrated veg, chips, yeah, all that fun stuff. So really hard to produce, actually. So um, I was like, oh, this will be a piece of cake as I'm starting bubble. And I was like, whoa, this is nice. Uh, I bit off, of course, more than I could chew. Um, but no, it was good. So um, yeah, consulted while I got bubble going. And then we formally launched in 2019, right before the pandemic hit, um, which has been crazy. So I was going to say, was that um, actually kind of good timing, though? Because it being a virtual space. Yeah, it turned out really well. So we put up the platform with a handful of brands, just wanted to get it going. Um, a few friends and family types invested, Carly Kloss invested, being excited about the idea. Um, some small like VCs kind of rolled in with smaller, smaller investments uh, to keep their eye on us, just given my background. Um, and then through the pandemic, tw- so t- fast forward 2020 hits and brands rush to the platform. They cannot get on fast enough. We were not set up for this. I had hacked together a sort of like initial front end and like back end for brands to like email us to so- sign up basically and get on Bubble. Our name just flew around the CPG community uh, and brands. We amassed a waitlist in the thousands, which we're still cracking away at. Um, wow. And through the pandemic, I ended up calling uh, my good friend, ex-colleague at the time, um, Savraj, who was CTO at Daily Harvest. He had just left. So I call him in a panic and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, We have this horrible stack. I put together. We're using third-party apps. 
it's blowing up. Like, you know, I need help. So he's like, all right, let me see what I can, what's going on. Told him about the business. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. So he gets in, he starts to like consult. And then he kind of sees what's going on. He's like, whoa. He's like, what have you put together? He's like, this is like popping off. And so I tell him more about the business and, you know, he looks at our investment deck, like what we're, you know, out to do, like the bigger picture, you know, we're bridging the access for people to find these brands. And I don't think he just realized the scale at which like what we were doing. Cause at the time you just saw this front end with like a few products. He didn't, until he got in, saw our wait list, all these brands trying to sign up. He's like, whoa. There's a big market here. And so Savraj, who was CTO back when I was at Daily Harvest, came on board and is now CTO at Bubble, changed the game for us last year. So we now have over 750 brands across the country selling on Bubble, more on the way. Everything is shelf-stable. We're in the process of bringing perishable brands on Bubble. Um, we are rehauling our entire front end. And I'm in the middle of fundraising a uh, big lady round for bubble and just taking things to the next level. So yeah, it's been quite the journey. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned a bit about the brands on bubble and the root of bubble is really curation. And Ari and I love all things CPG. So from vegan vegetable based chips to green free granola, like we always know we're going to find something amazing that we've probably never seen before. How do you go about sourcing your brands? And at this point, are you reaching out to most brands or are they contacting you? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a mix. So our, you know, Bubble is definitely in the health and wellness community. But that said, you know, there's a lot of people who start brands that are new to the space. They're not as savvy with like or like have even been to like an Erewhon or know what that is on the West Coast. Like we're really trying to bring that vibe of, you know, when I go to LA, the first I get so excited because I learned about that later in life, being in the health and wellness community. So, like when I touch down, I'm like, oh my gosh, In and Out and Erewhon. Like I've got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two best. Yeah, it's like eighty dollars smoothie and an amazing like like cheese fries. You know, whatever, <laughs> so, um, all about that. But you know, it's like that same feeling is not accessed across the country. And so what direct-to-consumer and buying food online has done is really shifted access. And that's what we're out to solve. That's the bigger picture we're after. And there's amazing brands and products and like localized food systems that could have bigger audiences that don't to like support their businesses. So in the same way that Etsy really created a platform for kind of like the local craft market to access really now the globe, we're trying to do that for all these amazing brands. So um, yeah, to answer your question about how brands find us, yeah, very much word of mouth. They pass it around. In the early days, we were definitely pinging brands. The pandemic was like a huge influx for signups. Um, And then I would say as of now, it's a mixture of... We definitely have our finger on the pulse. We have an internal Slack channel at Bubble called Hashtag Need on Bubble. We're always... I mean, we're really passionate about the space. So anytime any any of our team members see something, it's in that Slack channel. We're DMing each other or like passing around brand names. If there's something we're like, whoa, this has to be on Bubble... ASAP. So we'll actually like be proactive and reach out, but we're onboarding brands daily that just sign up that we've never been in touch with. So daily, it's definitely wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. It's it's shifted, um, and then the onboarding process is pretty simple. The brands for on now on our side, since our pl- platform's completely custom, 
brands can sign up and get listed as soon as we get their samples within the week, as long as they're clean label. Uh, as you guys know, everything on Bubble is vetted to be clean label. We actually taste test everything that gets sent into our office. We get a fair amount of things that are like packaged really cute, but taste horrible. And I'm like, I don't even know who put this product together. We don't allow it because it will really reflect badly on all the other brands that are doing well for Bubble. So like if someone orders a product that's not honestly just basic tasty, it will reflect badly on the all the other purchases. People will just associate with that with like, oh man, like Bubble, they have all these like weird, gross foods. <laughs> They'll never shop there again. And that will impact everyone else that's on the platform doing amazing things. So um, it's definitely a mix. Um, they're like, I don't know if you guys know Coconut Cult. It's known for having like really expensive yogurt. Yes. Yes. Very expensive yeah. yogurt. <laughs> exactly. Um, they are in our testing right now. They're, they're live, but we're beta testing Perishable on the platform. So we have Coconut Cult and Akua's Kelp Burger now shipping with us. And that's huge. So Coconut Cult is just something I, being in health and wellness, have been obsessed with. It's like the Gucci bag of yogurt, right? It's just like, oh my gosh, it's like luxury, luxury yogurt. The Gucci so, bag of yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's like, that's not like not, are Gucci bags even Lux anymore? What's like the bag of the moment? Are we over the oh, Bottega? I was going to say that. But are we over Bottega? I don't I feel know. Like I like it still, but I feel like it could be on its way out. I know. It's just... And I was going to say, co- Coconut Coal is like forever, so... Yeah, <laughs> it's never gonna be on its way out. Okay, the Birkin, the Birkin okay, yogurt. Yeah, yeah, classic. There we go. Okay, we're here. Yeah, <laughs> we're expensive. We're classic. Yes. We're forever. Timeless. Okay. Timeless. So. Okay, so the Birkin of yogurts is now on Bubble. So like that's a brand that I was really proud to see come to life because also they don't sell with a lot of people themselves. They're really picky about where they even sell their brand. So that went up this week. We were all as a team just like really, really proud of that moment to see a brand like that join Bubble. So you've also said that you watch Legally Blonde a lot to inspire you. Oh and my God, I where did you hear that? Totally <laughs> resonate with this. Is it wrong though? <laughs> Is it wrong? Oh, no, it's not. Wait, where did you hear this? You guys did your homework. You guys went to school and you did your homework. Like, what? Oh my god! Who told you this? Oh my god! It was in, I think, another podcast that we had just listened to. Oh yeah, yeah, I love Legally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a great movie, and I worked at a super large like bank this past summer, and the COO actually gave a talk where she like put up a picture of Elle and told us to adopt this mentality of like what like it's hard. How do you do this? Like, how does she inspire you? Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's the whole like what like it's hard. I think sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. So I honestly go to that when I'm just feeling in my own head because I'm like, if Elle can do it, I can. And a good reminder that like you know, at tough times, she's like, look, just go to the nail salon, get a manicure, get back to it. Right. Like, I think it's just a good reminder that there are going to be like tough moments along the way. But if you're at least trying, like you may not be able to run a marathon tomorrow, but if you get out and you run every day, you're going to get closer to running a marathon than if you just like were in your own head worrying about running a marathon. So I think that's just a good reminder to just do it, get out there, put in the work, try a bunch of stuff, try a bunch of stuff really early in your career. Um, I would recommend because like, honestly, the boring job is always going to be there. The 
safety net type thing you can figure out, but a more risky situation, do it early in life. Can we go back really quickly and talk about your bubble stamp of approval? Yes. So we love how there's this rigorous examination process. Um, Your bubble stamp of approval is composed of one ingredients, composed of only whole foods, grains, vegetables, fruits, and some natural sweeteners, but even that is kind of strict. Um, Two, totally taste tested by your team, like you mentioned. Love that. I think that's so important because kale chips don't have to taste bad. Let's just say it. Um, And three... The innovative category leaders, oh, and four, of course, sourced and produced responsibly. So how did you develop this criteria? Obviously, you worked in the industry before. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think early, and that's kind of how we came up with the name Bubble. We knew the platform and business we wanted to build. Like, okay, what is the problem we're solving? Um, Direct-to-consumer, food, you know, all that. But a huge part of what we were looking to solve um, and my background, what we're really passionate about is a pure, clean, direct food system. So it's not a food system, right? Like everything on bubble ships from who makes it. So these are not foods that are loaded with preservatives, cheapened with sugar, and need to go through a distribution process and sit in a warehouse, which is like why preservatives are needed. They're not something that gets cut down by 50%, you know, distribution fees and then 50% by like retailer fees because it's sitting on a shelf at like a Safeway or something. These, you know, and then it needs like all this sugar and, and cheap ingredients to cut the price down and like filler. So we're dealing and what we're all about is promoting a food system that's direct. It's real ingredients, but it's it's coming from who made the food. Um, and so that kind of all came together like those standards just innately with what we were doing and just defining. Uh, it was easy for us to define that. I know some people that try to apply on bubble have alternative sweeteners or um, you know, people are like, Oh, what about my cane sugar in my product? Because it's organic. There's enough cane sugar and, and refined sugar in our food system. That's a huge one that we just... We drew a line in the sand. We were kind of like, Hey, what are the foods we like to eat? We're all about kind of like low glycemic whole fruit sweeteners, honey is cool, maple is cool, um, things that are kind of found in nature. So we drew a line in the sand to what we thought, you know, and what we believe in. And it just has gone from, you know, grown from there. Your LinkedIn also mentions you are an incubator mentor for Chobani. I know this program doesn't exist anymore, but you have worn so many hats in the food entrepreneurship space. And I love this dedication you have to the next generation of entrepreneurs. Um, And I know you have so much wisdom also to impart. And because our listeners are mostly in their 20s, what can you share about like the future of the industry, any advice you have, what not to waste their time on, etc.? Kind of what I was talking about before, I'd say try a lot early. So if you're you're not sure, honestly, if you are sure, just try something. It's just easier before you have, you know, you you go into later stages of life, you get engaged, you settle down, you have kids, like your life will settle down at some point. So try a lot while you're free, you're single, like don't get hard on yourself for being single and just enjoy it. You'll when it it really is true, like when it happens, it happens, like when it shifts, it shifts. Um, so just like do a lot, move around, stay light. Don't buy a lot of stuff in your apartment. Be ready to like pack up and go. Um, you know, just try a lot, um, as early as you can. I would not waste time 
with anything that doesn't feel right to you. So something that really doesn't make you kind of light up and wake up and jump out of bed in the morning and get to it. Things that don't inspire you, things that are negative, stay away from anything that's negative. It's toxic. I'm like, you know, just, just stay away. So, and on like, it's truly like in business and in personal life, the faster you like fail fast. So the faster you come to terms with something that's not working, the faster you're going to get to something that is. So yeah, fail fast and move like fall forward. For all of our listeners, in case you're new here, our episodes will always start and end the same. Just like you heard us talk about Jessica's roots at the beginning of this episode, we'll end by talking about her experience during the most influential and outright crazy time of her life, her 20s. Since our listenership is primarily college students and those in their early careers, we want to center this last segment on them. And because those years tend to fly by, this is also more of a speed round with questions. Jessica, are you ready? I think so. I don't know if I got this in the prep. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's do it. Would you ever do a pop-up market as a brick and mortar? Yes, we will be doing those. Biggest issue within the food system? Go. Lack of transparency. Favorite bubble marketplace item at the moment? I mean, coconut cult with hella on top, like drizzled is a chef's kiss. With e-commerce, branding is so essential to make you stand out because there is just so much out there. You really need to pop. How did you go about finding a branding person, fleshing out the color scheme, the site, all of the e-com essential details spill? Yeah. So the design of Bubble and the brand of Bubble, um, I just went... I researched brands that I loved, um, found out one of the brands I loved, a woman named Candace Ralph, highly recommend her. She uh, designed milk makeup, a huge fan of milk and the brand and how they're vegan and what they stand for. So I went straight to the source um, and Candace Ralph did our branding. So, uh, and also the branding you see today, we have a lot more to come. We've built a lot of like technical stuff, but we have a lot more vibey, like, things to really make you fall in love with bubble. Um, so yeah, it, it really comes down to like the mission, the audience, you know, it, it all has to kind of come together and working with great people at the end of the day, just find the best people to work with and figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> so yeah, Candace um, was critical in, in that. Yeah, for sure. We end every episode with the greenish goal. What is one goal you recommend our listeners set? from mental health to founding a company to mastering their wealth? Meet someone new every week, once a week, um, which is 52 people a year. That could be a date. That could be a mentor. That could just be like a girlfriend for a drink. But just try to expand your network. I just can't speak enough to how much... um, Expanding my network has improved my business, the opportunities that have come across my desk in life. And then that's trickled to like bettering my family situation or friends or just connecting people. So, um, yeah, just try to connect with someone new at least once a week. Like you guys are new in my network now once a week. Um, but yeah, just try to try to always like meet someone new every week. Oh, yes. I love that. It's so simple, but honestly, so tangible. Jessica, thank you so much for your transparency and your insight. This conversation was amazing. Jessica, we adore your story and this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It's great to meet you. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. You can find anything we mentioned today linked in our show notes. And if you want more, go to our website at www.agreenishlife.com. We'll see you next time on Greenish.